0: Hey, everyone. We are so excited to welcome you to our first ever episode for the Sports Medicine Podcast. My name is Maddie Portland, and my co-host is Haley Karpik. Haley, before we get into logistics, here's the weekly intro question that you and I have had literally forever to think about. If you were a professional baseball player in the MLB, what would your walk-up song be?
1: This is a great question, and i thought about this a lot since We've been chatting for the past few weeks. Also, I will say this is like my go-to get-to-know-somebody question. Also, like a great first date question. So, put it in your back pocket. Good, like, icebreaker too. Um, I think mine would be, and it's changed recently. I changed it to, um, oh, Welcome to the Jungle, I think is my go-to walk-up just because it's hype and it's like kind of has a crazy intro. Classic. It gets me hype, but I also think it would get the crowd hype and... My walk-up song would be a crowd pleaser. I think you can do either like a personal favorite song that gets you going or a crowd pleaser. And I'm a people pleaser. So we're doing, we're going the crowd pleaser route and playing a banger. What's yours?
0: Uh, So similar. I think I went with a crowd pleaser as well. Um, I chose Can't Stop by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Good one. And my, the reason I chose that is because I have this core memory of, my grandpa bringing me to one of my first cubs games and you know he's doing like a beer every inning <laughs> and during as that you time, should right <laughs> uh, and during that time he i th- he, bought, he bought me like two or three things of cotton candy and i only needed one but i probably consumed all three and uh hearing that song like you know made me like start jumping around <laughs> You know, especially during like the guitar. It got the cotton
1: candy going.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, And then uh, I got sick once the game ended. Yeah, I threw up. So uh, (laughs) uh, still still a great song. And yeah, that's that's why I chose it. So um, now before we move in to... um, to getting into like the details and the nitty gritty we so unfortunately we can't play any of this music because of licensing rules but i do think if we have like guests on this should be the question that we ask them and then we'll like, I think that's a good one playlist yeah and then it'll be like hopefully really good yeah like, once i like, think it's a good
1: it's a good question as a thinker and it's like a personality i feel like yeah you get something about their personality i like that yeah. i like that we can create a good place for it okay cool smart cool, cool. So yeah, I guess I can kind of dive into like you know this is episode one. I can kind of go into what this podcast is going to be all about and what we're going to be discussing. So this podcast will mostly cover sports, sports adjacent topics, and um, our hot takes. Um, We love watching sports, and there's a ton of women who also you know do as well, and not just women but people in general. you know, I think we're trying to create in a in an environment where all fans of sport can come, hang out, either laugh with us or at us as we provide, you know, work to provide kind of a unique take that may be a little bit different than like your typical sports podcast. Like, I think we're trying to take a little bit different of a route, maybe a little bit more. Chill, definitely a lot less educated than like your normal sports podcast. So that's kind of the, the route we're taking. Um, in terms of like how episodes will look in the future, Maddie and I will be providing you a weekly dose of a cool story, topic, interview, or bio that is sports related and that, you know, that the listeners want to discuss. So if you guys have topic ideas, feel free. Feel free to let us know. But do you like what I did there with that pun, that weekly dose, you know, sports medicine podcast? That's all that har har har.
0: <laughs> that was super creative,
1: Haley. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> and then kind of going into what this podcast doesn't discuss. Um, it doesn't discuss medicine or medical advice. Um, I will say today we talk briefly about medicine, but again, like very surface level. Um, disclaimer, we're not medical doctors. Um Funny enough, I'm I am a pharmacist. So technically I do have a doctorate of pharmacy, but that that doesn't get me very far. Um and Maddie has a a bachelor's in pharmaceutical sciences, and that's kind of how like the the name of the podcast came to be. Um, we met each other during college and you know, we worked in group projects and classes together. Um, and now we both work in in pharma. And so this podcast title is just kind of like an inside joke. Um and yeah, we just want to state up front that everything we discuss in this podcast is our opinions um, of Maddie and myself. Um, they shouldn't be used to make any sort of medical decision. Um, we're not providing medical advice. You don't. You don't want to take medical advice from us. We we don't know what we're or talking advice about in, in general, or maybe advice in general. You're right. That's a good disclaimer all around. Um, yeah. just, just everything we say. Everything we say, not just a grain of salt. Maybe like. Half the shaker. But yeah, our bottom line is like, um, these are our opinions and our opinions only. So yeah, that's kind of ground rules of the podcast. Anything I missed?
0: No, I don't think so, Haley. Awesome. I think we're I think we're good to go. So there we go. I figured I would ease us into this podcasting world. And I know we just spent the last five minutes explaining to everyone that this is not a medical podcast, and that is still true. However, <laughs> For this first episode, um, I figured we would play to our strengths and also maybe to provide a little bit of irony, (laughs) uh, we're going to be discussing the topic of performance-enhancing drugs or PEDs. Um, So we're going to kind of get into the history of them, how they work, and then we also want to talk about why we think that their use uh, is decreasing overall in professional sports. So sources for our discussion today are found in the show notes. Um, And then, yeah, so kind of to get right into it. So it appears from my research that PEDs were actually first introduced in the most primitive form of competition, war. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Scandinavian mythology says combatants known as berserkers could drink a mixture called butotens to greatly increase their physical power. Uh, But this would come at the risk of insanity uh, and death. (laughs) And this is thought to have been prepared using the Amanita muscaria mushroom. Um, major toxins in this mushroom, uh, are thought to be the ilbotenic acid and muscimol. These substances, um, are structurally related to each other as well as glutamic acid and GABA. Now, Haley knows a lot more about those two things, glutamic acid and GABA than me and the rest of our listeners. But to put it in sort of simple terms that I, that Haley can check me on, um, Glutamic acid and GABA are super important neurotransmitters found in our body that are crucial for normal neuronal activity. So they help our brain um, and muscles and really entire body function normally. So um, when these toxins um, are acting in place of glutamic acid or GABA, um, that's what's thought to cause the agitation, delirium, insanity um, that these combatants experienced. Haley, did I miss anything there?
1: No, that's, that's pretty good. It's like you right. have to do pharmaceutical sciences or something.
0: Yeah, right? Good job. Okay, so moving on from that, other honor- honorable mentions of PED use um, during, during war include the intake of liquid courage, um, which, as some people know, is the consumption of alcohol, uh, this is cited uh, by Wikipedia as a factor that caused Russia to actually lose the Russo-Japanese War in 1905. Survivors of this war apparently said that Russian soldiers were drunk the majority <laughs> of the time in battle, um, which is yeah, just Why did they think that would work? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Besides and, the
1: courage aspect, like, like give me a- give me enough drinks and I'm falling asleep.
0: <laughs> that is like the question i was asking like even up above too like with like the scandinavian mythology like once four or five people like lose their mind on mushrooms like i'm really shocked that someone was like hey you know what this doesn't let's work. take a step back yeah yeah <laughs> maybe let's not <laughs> yeah yeah it seems like in both these cases they were like oh we just didn't take enough we just need, we just need more and then we just need work. to get
1: drunker. Yeah.
0: Right. 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 So, um, yeah. So, you know, we know in certain amounts, you know, alcohol can, uh, you know, what is it? Decrease your like inhibitions. inhibitions yeah. 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 So I think that's what they're most, they're talking about. But then of course it also makes you sleepy, duh upsets your balance
1: you're not as coordinated not i feel coordinated, like there's a lot of things that be skills are
0: impacted yeah 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 ton of things that i think you would need for for a war anyway yeah um sure okay so bah, 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 uh, okay then uh amphetamines such as cocaine and others have their moment when the world wars start to take place, um, and these were given to soldiers in an attempt to increase alertness, suppress appetite, and decrease fatigue. And I thought the suppress appetite thing was interesting and maybe accidental, but it was actually purposeful because during the world war, everyone was starving and there wasn't enough food to go around. So they would purposefully give soldiers amphetamines so they wouldn't have to like provide as much food to everyone. Isn't that wild?
1: That's an interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting tactic.
0: Like, kind of makes
1: sense. Yeah. (laughs) But also, like,
0: sense, but like, kind of,
1: yeah, kind of messed up. up, But yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, Okay. So, um, and then apparently, this specific choice of of PED was favored by Nazi Germany. So, although some scientists suggest that um, uh, Hitler's mental state towards the end of World War II could be associated with heavy steroid use as well. So, like, he was using both.
1: He was juicing. Uh, Hitler yeah. was juicing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. added to the list of things. Like Yeah, right, right, right.
0: So um uh Sports Illustrated and the history channel cite, you know, his mania, acute paranoid psychoses, aggressive and violent behavior, depression and suicidal ideologies, um, as being possibly uh related to uh to steroid use. So um just to be clear, I'm not removing responsibility uh, of how awful a person Hitler was or how awful a regime the Nazis were. But it is fascinating to think these sorts of substances were causing similar chaos and destruction inside um, the, you know, German human body uh, as they were causing like this chaos and destruction on the front lines of the wars. So yeah, yeah, kind of food for thought. Um, And then further, furthermore, moving through time, uh, an article in the Atlantic titled the drugs that built the super soldier stated, uh, quote, during the Vietnam War, the U.S. military supplied its servicemen with speed, steroids and painkillers to help them handle extended combat. End quote. These uh, so-called pet pills were said to be administered with little to no oversight of strength of dose or frequency of uh, the administration. Making overdoses common. Uh, again, this lack of oversight research into harmful effects of these substances on the body and individuals or groups refusal to take responsibility for providing or consuming these substances, um, all diffuses over into sports too. Wow. Okay. So doping or using a substance to illegally improve athletic performance. Um, and then the invention of the, the sports we consume today really do happen simultaneously. So a quick disclaimer, uh, Haley knows this, but Uh, For others, uh, I'm well aware that a major piece of the performance enhancing drug history, uh, especially in cycling, surrounds Lance Armstrong circa 2012. If any of our listeners are interested in this topic, I encourage you to research this on your own time. (laughs) Uh, If I talk about specifically blood doping for more than this sentence, I will get lightheaded and pass out on this podcast and then probably start convulsing. Um, that could be entertaining, but we're going to say, we don't need that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So needles and IVs, um, associated with blood work specifically are not my thing. So for our purposes of this present day discussion and my own health and safety, uh, I will highlight other key events, um, that sort of propel us, um, into the current day. Okay. So the year is 1896. And 24-year-old Welsh cyclist, Arthur Linton, dies approximately two months after he wins an infamous race from Bordeaux to Paris. The cause of death is reported as typhoid fever, but many speculate that he had taken trimethyl or strychnine before the race, um, and this is uh, cited in Sports Illustrated as well as Wikipedia. Strychnine is a stimulant. So the mechanism of action, and again, Haley, check me on this, works by antagonizing the neurotransmitter glycine. Think of uh, a neurotransmitter such as glycine as a chemical messenger in the body. So normally in the brain and spinal cord, glycine works as an inhibitory neurotransmitter, meaning it binds to a receptor on your nerve cells and then inhibits neuronal firing. This would inhibit your muscles from contracting. So when a person is exposed to strychnine, the drug binds in place of glycine and blocks uptake into the brain and spinal cord receptors. This equates to the motor neurons being more easily activated, which then causes muscle contractions um, and then ultimately death by asphyxiation as the muscles around the lungs and heart tire. Haley, from a pharmacist's (laughs) perspective, How'd I do on that? And that was great. Clinically, how does this look?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll add a few things. I You explained it great. That's that's how it works to a T. So, yeah, it's it's a basically strychnine is an alkaloid, you know, taken from the seeds of trees. It's commonly used. Like, as a poison, you'd see it in a bait for like a rat trap or something like that. Um, exposure can be fatal. And in the 19th and 20th centuries, it was used as a performance enhancer for its con- like convulsant effects. Like, you talked about its, its impact and how it leads to muscle contraction. They kind of thought it was similar to like giving you a buzz, like drinking a cup of coffee would like give you that energy, that jolt, which is why it was used um, and kind of like its role in the performance enhancing space. Um, There really was no evidence around that, but that was kind of their thought. Um, And you kind of talked about how it leads to like muscle contraction issues around the whole body. Like at higher doses, it's really rapid onset and it can cause that respiratory failure in death as soon as 15 to 30 minutes. So it's very toxic, not good for you. No, and you know, really no proof that it actually would, work or benefit, but like the the thought around it, what they thought was like that contraction of muscle, that buzz, that like jolt that it would potentially give you could be used um, as a benefit in, you know, in competition. Um, but yeah, not, there's no evidence. And as you said, it just doesn't <laughs> like, it, it basically causes your body to like shut down completely. So Not a good, not, not a good way. And the people who would like, you know, you talk about the guy who used it, like he stumbled across the finish line and like was delirious, wasn't making any sense and never competed again. And so it 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 doesn't, yeah, it wasn't like something that was really working great, nor did it have any evidence to support it. And it was literally rat poison. So kind of an interesting scenario there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was a a swing and a miss maybe.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. No huh. cup of coffee. Like, why don't you drink a cup of coffee that's if you're sure. looking for that buzz? But uh, yeah, I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't there in 1896 to tell them no. So, <laughs> all,
0: right, all right. So, kind of, you know, I don't want to say trial and error, but like that's kind of what it was. Um, You know, stimulants are getting more. Ad- maybe advanced would be the right word to use, right? Instead of effective, they're advancing. Yeah. Um, so then in 1967, again, we're in, we're talking about cycling um, and, you know, sports where, you know, endurance or um, stamina are like, you know, really important. So in 1967, Tom Simpson passes away during the Tour de France. According to the History Channel, he collapsed as he pedaled up Mont um on an extremely hot day simpson's cause of death was listed as a heart attack due to dehydration however <laughs> were tubes of amphetamines in his jersey and an autopsy found traces uh, of amphetamines in him as well do you know Haley? random question do you know mm-hmm. where they would look for that is that just in a blood test that they're running yeah yeah like you, is there would... like an organ that they're extracting no they would no,
1: just probably look test. in a blood test yeah you could yeah. see those those would show up in like a In a blood test, yeah. Like if you did a blood test for work, you would like an amphetamine, which yeah, yeah, it would pop up. That's why, like, if you take like Vyvanse or like Adderall, normally, like on prescription, you have to like tell people when you're going in for a drug test that because they would show up in something like that. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense.
0: Um. So okay, so yeah, found traces of amphetamines, and you know, I, I picked these two instances because I find it you know fascinating that as early as 1896. Then, a lot later in 1967, and now even, of course, in the the present day, um, you know there is sort of this need to to cover up or hide the use of these substances from the from uh, the public, and um, that definitely impacted my research into the episode today. It was very difficult to find, like, what athletes were suspended for what substance use um, historically. I feel. Like we've gotten the most information from the MLB and the Olympics, uh, agencies, but other organizations seem to be uh, a bit more tight lit. Um, okay. So we've discussed shrooms and sort of natural PEDs. Uh, we've talked about amphetamines and now, um, I want to get into steroids, specifically anabolic steroids. So in 1889, uh, apologies also for the quick jump back in time, but I'm sort of setting a scene here. <laughs> uh, a french- painting a picture <laughs> yeah if you will uh a french physician uh by the name of charles edward brown who was 72 years old at the time uh extracted testicular fluid from dogs and guinea pigs and injected it into himself he Ew. announced his findings at a scientific meeting in paris claiming to feel years younger with renewed energy uh, this man is cited as being an incredible physician for the time, um, because he grew up and made several advancements that would lead us to the modern understanding that we have today for neuroscience, um, and endocrinology. However, uh, that is still gross. Yeah. Uh, has he's got a, warm- a curious
1: mind though. Yeah. Uh, respect that. Yeah, <laughs> That's kind of gross.
0: Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to agree with that hundred yeah. percent. gross Yeah. Uh, as a woman living in 2023, I do not often agree with media takes of the 1800s, but uh, I was able to find a, a Vienna Medical publication from 1889, um, and they just absolutely flamed this this position, and I agree with them. Uh, they said, quote, the lecture must be seen as further proof of the necessity of retiring professors who have attained their three score in 10 years. So basically... He's they were showing him the and door. he Doesn't know what he's talking. <laughs> yeah, about, which is uh, which is funny. So in all uh, in all seriousness, no, in all seriousness though, this sort of rudimentary science would lay the groundwork for the anabolic steroids, um, of testosterone, that were and are commonly used by weightlifters, baseball players, other athletes prior to uh, and during the 2000s, um, and then. The mechanism of action of a steroid is a bit complex, so I tried to put this in super simple high level terms, but testosterone um itself enhances muscle mass by increasing muscle protein synthesis um, which seems kind of obvious, but the way in which it does that is is kind of varied, and there's there's different pathways, so I didn't feel like really getting into that,
1: yeah. I think people know. I think, you know. Yeah, you get the gist. Yeah. Like, you take it um, makes me bigger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Also, there's a lot of other negative things. We'll get into that. Later. For sure. Yeah, it's not uh,
1: not strictly positive. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so, in 2003, the bulk of scandal begins, um, and this has to deal with the designer steroid THG. I'm not going to try to pronounce the, the
1: Yeah, no need to. It's a lot of, lot of letters. <laughs> we tried that yesterday, and it did
0: not work. Uh, okay, so designer steroid THG. This uh, was undetectable to tests and was produced and distributed by the Bay Area Laboratory Cooperative or Vulco. Uh, and it's uh, specifically uh, its founder, Victor Conti, um, was said to be involved in this distribution. Uh, athletes involved in the scandal, of course, include uh, baseball players such as Barry Bonds. Jason Giambi, Gary Sheffield, uh, among others. So, ten years later, a disgruntled employee by the name of Porter Fisher would bring down the entire company he worked for, the Biogenesis Clinic, which was, um, you know, distributing these PEDs, located in South Florida, uh, and. By bringing down this company, he also brought down some of the MLB's biggest stars of the time, including Alex Rodriguez and Ryan Braun, which is just wild. Like, this middle-class dude. Just...
1: I get mad at work too, but I don't know if I'd ever get that mad. Yeah, right. But I mean, he's also like kind of doing the right thing. I don't know. That's that's yeah. that's one disgruntled employee. So <laughs> I feel him sometimes.
0: Apparently, like. Obviously, like any one of these stories could be just an episode all in of themselves, but apparently True. the like MLB did like, there's like documentaries that you can watch for like the MLB did like really shady like stuff and like shady interview practices to like get the retrieve this like information on this whole scandal too. Oh no, so way. like interesting. There's like, I don't know, there's like villains on both sides almost. Yeah. Like, it was just like a very, yeah, a very not. Not good situation. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so most notably, the the clinic was known for providing athletes PEDs, including um, human growth hormone, um, and then the, the designer steroid I was talking about above as well. So Haley, one last time, can you explain to all of us the difference between these different steroids uh, and why these athletes were- we're consuming them.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I'll just start out with like basic testosterone. Um, I think it's what most people would think of as the the male hormone. Women have testosterone too, um, just in different proportions to men. Um, but both in both men and women, it helps with growth, um, maintenance, and repair of tissues. Impacts bone mass, and also impacts human behavior. Um, in men, it's essential to the development of like male growth, masculine characteristics, all that good stuff. So yeah, testosterone is like, again, we have it all in our bodies. You can also inject it and it'll just do more of what it's intended, what our bodies have it intended to do. So it'll build mass, things like that. THG, the other one you mentioned, the synthetic, um, it's truly a designer steroid. It was the first of its kind and it, the purpose of its creation was truly to hide detection. Um, they could tell like in blood tests if you were using testosterone, but this this was just to like, this whole purpose, some chemist out there was like, oh, I can make this to evade drug test detection. So these people can still get the benefits without getting in trouble. Um, so it's a chemical, very similar to steroids. It acts basically the same as testosterone, binds to the same re- receptors, even honestly, even better than normal testosterone, has really a high affinity to the receptor. So yeah, it's just like really good testosterone. And it, again, it's The whole purpose of its creation was for illegal use to avoid detection by, you know, these governing agencies and bodies that were drug testing. So it's interesting, like the origin of it, like some chemists out there was like, oh, I can tweak some things around and make this better and also make them not get in trouble and did it. So really interesting. Yeah. Like
0: you and I have even a little bit more insight into this than than normal, but like how Oops, Sorry, I keep hitting my mic. How did this like chemist like get the okay to like yeah, like where do, was he like, operating clinical trials yeah. and like like administer that like what like unmet need did he sell his board yeah. of directors or whatever to be like hey you know what we really need an undetectable yeah steroid.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Like, I don't even know how he right. made it or how he,
0: like, started this crazy. or
1: like what how they yeah like went from like yeah they made this and then how they how did they distribute it or you know right. it in large quantities. It's a really good question. But yeah, no, it's it's interesting and I think yeah, kind of a sign of the times where they you know it was like they were they wanted to have performance enhancing substances but knew that they were testing and could get caught, so they did a little workaround in the lab and figured this out. So very interesting on the THG. Um, and then there's, again, in addition to those two, there's HGH, which kind of is more similar to testosterone. It's naturally produced by the body in both males and females. It's made in the brain. It stimulates growth, especially in the production, production of cells. So you can see from like a, um, you know, performance enhancing, it increases the production of cells, can make you Bigger, stronger, all that good stuff or bad stuff. Um, So, yeah, the use of HGH in sport is to build muscle. Um, It communicates... And again, naturally in your body, it communicates your body to grow. It's very high levels during puberty, puberty, which makes sense because you're growing a lot. Um, you know, it's use in sport is big because it's efficient. It's really it's harder to detect than some of the other ones. It lacks some of the major side effects, um, all while increasing muscle mass and power. So end goal, you still get the same, but you have fewer side effects. So it's another one that's commonly used. Um yeah and performance enhancing but again it's natural similar you know your body produces it similar to it does produce testosterone
0: oh god and all of them would also have similar like similar side effects to like what we talked about above right in terms of like yeah, yeah. rage mania y- yeah
1: exactly like they would oh, have that. similar yeah like again these aren't that's a good point like these do have side effects and they're not just like you're not just building muscle mass with no consequences like (laughs) there is a payoff in these like and there's our side effects that you kind of like typically think of like roid rage and like things like that and so yeah they're not just out there getting you jacked without having some negative consequences
0: yeah yeah Okay. I kind of figured, but you know. yeah, <laughs> always yeah. good to always good to restate. Those kinds of things. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Okay. So this kind of brings us to the pinnacle uh, of our discussion point of this topic today, because now sports are back in full swing. of the summer's finally ended. We're, you know, we're now viewing the WNBA playoffs, college football, NFL, all at the same time. MLB playoffs, college basketball, the NBA are on the horizon. We're about to have a women's professional hockey league in 2024. Like, things are happening. Yeah. But what you haven't heard of, and I feel like really haven't heard since, like, COVID. You have. I just haven't heard a lot of, like, suspensions happening for substance use and, or, or, perform, or like, or performance enhancing drug use. So I, that's why I wanted to discuss this today is I want to know why that is like, have, or we've reached a point now where tests have drug testing has evolved so much that, you know, you're just going to get caught. So people don't do it. I definitely think there's now, um, um, you know, our culture has changed and that now wellness is so so crucial and like so important. So I think there's also just less of a desire to cheat and to use these sorts of substances when you can gain sort of the benefits from these substances naturally. Um but then I also wonder like, you know, are these sorts of substances still being developed? Um and then most importantly, and I know we haven't talked about it a lot, but this is kind of my own opinion. Um, I think that there's just been a significant decrease um, in these, in these sorts of suspensions because there's been a significant decrease in the testing banning and sort of stigma around THC. Uh, So I think everyone kind of remembers the whole situation that happened uh, with Brittany Griner and her detainment in Russia Uh, There's a New York Times article that that went into kind of details about that and sort of the details around what the different professional sports uh, organizations looked like in terms of their policies against substance use before uh, and after COVID. And it just seems like so many of these organizations have either removed the THC testing from, from their drug tests or have sort of put the responsibility on teams to like, um, I guess, discipline regulate, or yeah. regulate the the, t- the use of THC. And then of course, different teams are going to have different policies just as our, you know, different States have different policies. So I looked it up and I know like, you know, Brittany Grinder had mentioned that the reason that her and a lot of other athletes use THC is for pain management. Um, I, I know I texted you last night, and I was like, "Why can't I find any THC studies on pain management? Like, is that legit or not?" And there's hasn't been a ton of studies on on it, um, just because it's uh, in a lot of places, it is an illegal substance. So yeah. I think it's like and said, nationally, it's it's yeah, not and nationally, illegal, of yeah, it's still illegal, mm-hmm. illegal. But so the, there's just not really funding for it. So like, I don't want to, I don't even really want to use the word research around that this because there really there really hasn't been like in terms of like validated, like research, you Mm -hmm. know, I think a lot of it's kind of like anecdotal because of course, you know, weed's been around forever, but um, you know, people do cite pain management as a a benefit of it. And then just out of curiosity, uh, I looked up, you know, what other side effects uh, are connected with with weed, and it includes an increased heart rate, an altered sense of time, memory problems, balance problems, changes in mood. None of these symptoms or side effects, um, yeah, side effects, sorry. Um, sound performance enhancing to me at all. In fact, I think they would make you a worse athlete. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I you know, I don't know what what the right answer is in terms of of regulating it or of allowing it or not allowing it. Cause I don't own a professional sports team, but <laughs> I do. Think I know you're looking a- to
1: buy though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Isn't the plan maybe the 10 year plan, but yeah. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: but anyway, that's my, that's my take. I think there's been a decoupling of substance abuse versus um, PED abuse yeah. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot less, uh, a lot less suspensions. But I'm curious to kind of get your your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I think just overall, my initial thought on you know if saying why PED use is decreasing, I think would be the de- you know the the developments in technology and like vigilance around health and nutrition in athletes. I think nowadays they have so much information on themselves and health and sleep and they're all wearing a whoop or they're wearing an aura ring and they're wearing, they're wearing what, you know, they're, they got the wearables, they've got the, you know, they're sleeping in a chamber that puts them at 12,000 feet. You know, like, I think there's like all these other things that they're using, um, to, to quote unquote, get ahead. I think there's, they are finding there's and like, like we mentioned, like steroids and performance enhancing drugs have side effects. They're not without side effects. And I think people, you know, this is me theorizing but you know if I was an athlete and you know no and you, know, you can work hard and have all these tools at your disposal to get stronger to get better without these side effects it could be a better alternative and I think too it's just it's a little bit of the sign of the times I think you know I think there's a big movement around clean sport um and people are really trying to yeah to to practice clean sport avoid and I think testing is big and you know maybe testing's gotten better or more frequent or they're more on top of the testing or they get you know tested more often, whatever. Um, but I think, you know, maybe it's a little bit of the sign of the times where like, you know, really think about early 2000s baseball, like everybody was doing it. So like, if you weren't doing it, right. you were falling behind where like nowadays you've got, you know, maybe it's the fitness and nutrition where if you're not doing that, you're falling behind. It's kind of a different, you know, the playing fields just kind of shifted where we're focusing more on health fitness well-being through technology and all those advances and trainers and all the people they've hired on staffs to make their players as good as they can you know all around so yeah i think it's i think it's a little bit of the sign of the times i think there's like other factors i think like you know the improvement in technology and sport i think is big in fitness and nutrition um and then maybe i think some of it's just like a sign of the times where like yeah there's a move towards clean sport there's consequences if you don't a, you know abide by those rules so maybe that's it too and I think I think you raise a good point about the decoupling of testing of THC I think you've you'd seen athletes get banned you know like Shakari Richardson a track athlete when won the USA championship in the 100 meters a couple years back and she was taken off the world's team because she tested positive for THC um and you know I think you y- you know I think people I mean, that really caused like an outrage in a lot of people because they were like oh it's not a performance enhancing drug and I think I agree with a lot of your points on like none, no part of weed is like performance enhancing to me but like I think it can have you know but ben- I think the, the the benefits that people cite aren't performance enhancing they're like well-being I don't know like health and well-being so um and maybe people see that as performance enhancing but I think you're, you have an interesting point in the decoupling because yeah if you take if they're decoupling the two yeah maybe you're seeing fewer because they're they're looking at the two that, like at least in my mind there's a big difference between a performance enhancing drug and weed or take, using marijuana as a yeah for whatever reason um to me it's, I think it's not a super lot popular.
0: closer yeah. to to alcohol and yeah it's
1: like recreation or relaxation have, you know have,
0: you know you know strict but um you know strict but like also realistic policies around alcohol. Yeah. like, like it, during and um it's what during the season as well as, you know, in the off season. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, of course it's still illegal. Nationally, yeah, So that um there there is that and I don't know how you would regulate it like I I don't see a a clean situation where like you're allowing some teams in states where it's legal yeah. to do it and others you're not so luckily you and I don't have to to really worry about that but Phew, you we're other-
1: not professional athletes
0: yeah. okay. thank god <laughs> we were close uh, we were we were Yeah. if I was just a little taller faster yeah. more athletic I would have gone and played at Notre Dame
1: yeah and I I started varsity as a freshman so they were like yeah she's she's going pro <laughs> But yeah, I, I just think there's – in my mind, there's just such a big difference between like a true performance-enhancing drug and weed. But that's yeah. just me. We're not the experts. We're not the ones making the decisions, unfortunately. But I think it's a thinker, and I'm curious to see where it develops in the future. I think that's like – I'm curious to see where it goes in the next yeah. like five, ten years, like how this evolves because I think, yeah, it's an issue.
0: It'll be great for content. Yeah. Any, uh, any final thoughts on this on this
1: topic i think my only final thought is our is the question that we had in the teaser on instagram is thc a performance enhancing drug in an eating competition that's the only time i may see it as a performance enhancing drug like in the nathan's hot dog eating contest but even that i don't know those those are athletes like they're training they're getting those glizzies down like i think that yeah but like I don't know. I think that's it's an interesting food for thought. I, I think potentially, like you can just become a bottomless pit.
0: I'm gonna say yes. You say yes. Yep. I'm saying if you're if you're choosing to be. I just think like in terms
1: of like a from a eater, mechanism then. of action, like the why behind the munchies, like it basically you have like no food inhibition. Like you're just gonna eat. So I think it could be. I think it could be because you just you that that thing in your brain that tells you to stop eating is like you've rid that so it, i think it could help in performance and in, in a an eating competition but that's a good question i, I like that question it's funny yeah. yeah
0: yeah i'd be curious to see what um you know once we get once we get more of a following it'd be funny to to hear people's takes on
1: that. yeah <laughs> well are we on youtube put it in the comments below <laughs> comment yeah, 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 below yeah, yeah comment below first smash that like button and then comment below
0: exactly (laughs) exactly all right well i'm gonna get get us out of here uh wow okay we did it we did it it's kind of
1: exciting uh episode one that's crazy yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. um okay guys i promise next week Haley and i will not talk about drugs (laughs) uh, that that is as technical
1: as we'll get yeah i hope Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: yeah uh in fact next week we might have our first interview so that would be exciting uh but We'll kind of have to wait and see how the schedule shakes out. Um, If you listened to this episode and thought, wow, I know someone else who would be so interested in this, uh, you know, our biggest ask is to please go ahead and share that with them, you know? Uh, And then if you enjoyed this episode, please rate review and subscribe to this podcast, uh, wherever you are listening now. Uh, heads up, we will be shouting out the best five-star reviews on the podcast. So be as creative as you would like. If you want to catch up with what we are doing in real life uh, or what sp- sports we're complaining about, you can follow us on Instagram um, and threads at the sports med podcast. If you have a topic you would like us to cover or a compliment, you want to toss our way, you can send us an email at the med at gmail.com. I'm Maddie Portland.
1: And I'm Haley Karpik.
0: And this was your weekly dose of the Sports Medicine Podcast. Cheers.